0: Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy.
1: Well, hello, Cove Church. So great to be with you again today. You know, I was I was thinking, although I, I didn't grow up in the church, um, when I became a Christ follower, I, I was quickly introduced to some important uh, literature in the church, the Bible being (laughs) included in that. But in addition to that was some of the hymns of the church, the great hymns of the church. And still to this day, among my favorites of those hymns is the hymn known as It Is Well With My Soul. Uh, uh, The the lyrics to me are incredibly powerful. When, When peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, God has called me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul." Incredible words, and they were words that were not written in a vacuum. The author's name was Horatio Spafford. And uh, that hymn was written When he found himself passing over the very spot in the ocean where his four daughters had perished in an accident just weeks before. And instead of being overwhelmed with despair in that moment, he was instead overwhelmed with a sense of overriding peace, God's peace. And he rushed into his cabin on the ship he was on and he penned those words for him it was in the face of his most profound grief that he experienced god's most profound presence i think some of us need to remember that today that today amidst an increasingly broken world where violence and division and confusion is not only the norm but it seems to be increasing every day I think for us it's easy to feel afraid, to to despair, easy to want to give up on the whole thing, thinking somehow that God is aloof to our condition, that we are helpless in the grand machinery of world events. Yet Jesus tells us something beautiful in Matthew chapter 6. As birds don't have to store up, they don't stress out about how they're gonna get food. No, God takes care of them. And if God takes care of them, won't he even more so take care of us? So although for each of us we get to be wise, we get to be aware in the midst of all the struggles around us, we can easily find ourselves doing the one thing that Jesus said we are not to do, we worry. We worry about the future, we worry about the present. We get consumed with the what-ifs. And if you're anything like me, you might find yourself doing a bit of that these days. Maybe some sleepless nights that lead to anxious days knowing all the while that nothing helpful ever seems to come from it. Usually it's just high blood pressure, distraction, and maybe a few extra pounds because of those late night nachos. So we have to get to the point where we answer the question that presents itself to us in those seasons. And it's this, what do we really need to know? In life, what is it that we really need to know? How do we live amidst all of that? And I would offer an answer to that question that is found in a Psalm that some of you may have memorized as children. In fact, it may have sounded something like this when you memorized it.
0: Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm looking at the camera while I'm doing the Bible. verse. Okay, good. Why do you look at the camera? Oh, too. okay. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be one. He makes me lay down in green matches. He leaves me tight, quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me a passive righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, it will for your Your rod and your staff, they come from me. Surely surely prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now ahead you anoint my head with oil. Surely? My cup? My cup, okay. My cup overflows. Surely? Yes? Surely goodness will follow me all the days surely, of my life. Surely goodness and love. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. for.
1: I think it's so cool that not only can a child memorize that, but they can understand it. (laughs) But the problem is we grow up and, and grown up fears and worries tend to make us drift from the simplicity and the grace that God invites us to in that powerful psalm of trust. Many scholars would point to the idea that the context of that psalm, and it's written by David, that it would come out of one of the most tumultuous times in his life, the rebellion of his son, Absalom, who rose up against him and tried to take over the kingdom. And although we can't know for sure that that's what was around it, what we can know is that this psalm speaks to the fears, it speaks to our worries, it speaks to our anxieties, It speaks of encountering evil and of the nearness of enemies and of the shadow of death. It would seem that David felt what we at times feel. And the truth that David reminds us of in that psalm become the bedrock upon which we can build our lives amidst the wind and the waves of this world. And so the first thing I think we really need to know is this, that God goes ahead of you. Psalm 23, verses one through three. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's interesting that shepherds in the Middle East, uh, they didn't operate like cowboys. Cowboys, when they move cattle, they are behind the cattle and they push them to where they want to go. But shepherds were the opposite of that. Shepherds were in front of the sheep. They, They led the sheep. They went first, and so if they're crossing the stream, the shepherd would cross first to identify the safest place for the sheep to cross, and then they would turn around and watch as the sheep follow, and if anybody got into trouble, they could go and rescue them, and the sheep followed them because they trust their shepherd. And so if one was swept away, they could be rescued as the watchful shepherd kept his eye on the whole flock, and if one was in trouble, he could swoop in and help them. That's all because the shepherd went ahead, of the sheep, establishing the best path for them. And for us, God, the Good Shepherd, does the same. It's very comforting, I think, to know, because no matter what circumstance I encounter in life, God's already been in that place. God's gone ahead of me. I don't have to worry about the future because the God who loves me is already there. I remember when I was working as a landscaper I was just a grunt, right? I would just dig trenches all day long. I didn't have to know anything else. The leader had the blueprint. He, had, he was the one that placed the landscape flags, you know, put them here and there. He had the training. He had the licensing. I didn't have any of that. My job was really, really simple. Just dig. Just dig from here to there. I didn't have to know how much pressure was in the system in terms of water pressure. I didn't know which nozzle was going on which sprinkler. I didn't have to know what the next project was. I just had to dig from that flag to that flag. That was my job. And I knew what I had to do because someone who knew a lot more than me had shown me the way. I think so often we think we have to figure life out on our own, and God says, you know, I've actually already flagged the path for you. God's actually gone ahead, marked the route for us, and you say, but but I'm having a tough time seeing that path, God, I don't see it today, it's not very clear. And I would offer that sometimes that path is not clear because we're looking at the world through the wrong lens. I think we often look at the world through the lens of our culture, or the lens of our stress, or the lens of our fear. And yet God offers this invitation to us that we would view the world through the lens of His Word, of the Scripture. Psalm 119 shares it so well. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The path for us is laid out, but I can't see it without light without a tool to reveal that path. It's like I've been in those escape rooms before. Have you ever done them? They're real fun. Um, But there'll be some clues in those escape rooms that are only revealed by a special light, like a black light or a special kind of light that will only reveal that clue to you. It has to be the, the, the right tool to reveal that code. And only with that right tool can we know the right route. That is what God's word is to the Christ follower. His word is that tool, that light revealing our path. It's like uh, when, I, when I go fishing, if I'm just looking at the river, I'll see lots of reflections and, and, and lots of, um, I, I won't see deep into the river. The sun will be bouncing off the surface. But if I put on polarized sunglasses, everything changes. Suddenly, I can see into the water. It's not so much reflection. It filters out certain glares, and I can see under there. I can see fish, and I can see logs, and like Aquaman, I can see everything in there because it filters out the things I don't need. It's a different lens. I couldn't see any of that until I had the proper lens. God's Word is the lens through which we see God's path. That's why it's so important. I've watched my wife do this so many times. Someone will come to her and uh, they'll be confused, they'll, they'll be discouraged, and she'll say, "'Tell me about your time with Jesus. "'What does that look like?' And they'll say something like, "'Ah, it's really not so good. "'It's not really a big part of my life,' "'and, and she'll say, well, that's the best place "'for us to start. "'Let's start right there. "'Nothing will be clear without that.'" We often don't see the path because we don't have the lens. We cannot expect to see the steps of God's path if we leave behind the light of God's path. That's the scripture. And now there's no guilt in saying that. This is simply kingdom physics. This is how it works. His word is the lamp. His word is the light. The path is there, but it is made visible through God's word. So the great news from this passage is then that because of that, God is going ahead of me. God is marking a path. God does know the best way, and he will guide us if we're willing to follow. But here, I think, is where we make mistakes. We think we know so much more than we actually do. Uh, Imagine for a moment that, that you were dropped into the middle of the Amazon, where you've never been. But you're dropped into the Amazon, not alone, but with a a master guide. He's got the survival skills of Bear Grylls. He's got the animal knowledge of Jane Goodall. He's got the physical ability of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Okay, he's all those things in one. This is his world. He knows every rock, every bush, every animal, every tree. And he turns to you and he says, follow me. I know the way. And off he goes on a path that seems rougher than the other paths around it. And you have a choice. Will you follow or not? Now, you could follow your own thoughts. You know, I'll take the path that looks a little less difficult, but that opinion is based on what you do not know. Or you could follow the master guide based on trusting all that they do know. Now, I think most of us in that setting... Would choose to follow them. Because in that setting we admit we need help. But here in our real life where we have experiences and we have education and we think we know some stuff. God says the same thing follow me I know the way and we say thanks God I've got it. I've got this covered. And that's why we end up in quicksand. So we have one simple task. Follow close, be near. It's Sesame Street theology. Near, far, near, far. God says, would you draw near to me? Follow close, that's what it means to follow. And in doing so, we are told here that God leads us beside still waters to paths of righteousness restoring our soul and my favorite god makes me lie down in green pastures Oh, do you remember preschool <laughs> do you remember snack time followed by nap time Oh, those were great days, and everyone had to do it. They made us lie down. Why? Because it kept the little ones from leading an uprising. We know it could happen, you know, blinding the teachers with finger paints and eating all the glue and melting down in kind of a Lord of the Flies kind of hierarchy. And so to protect everybody involved, they just instituted. They said, everybody snacks and everybody naps. It's to protect everyone. They made them all lie down. They made all of us lie down. And friends, I don't know why we got away from that. I think it's still such a good idea. I still need snack time and nap time. And often, I need someone to make me lie down. This says God makes us lie down in green pastures. Why? Because if he didn't make us lie down, we wouldn't. And we would keep going until we too finally melt down. God going before us ensures that God knows the best path. So we get to kind of put down our own GPS and pick up his, which is the light of our path. It's the scripture because God goes ahead of you. That's the first thing we need to know. The second thing we really need to know is this. God goes beside you. God goes beside you. We'll continue the Psalm here, verses four and five. Let's read it. Big voices go. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. God is telling us here, there's not a a road, there's not a circumstance, there's not an event, there's not a tragedy, there's not a cataclysm in which he is unwilling to join us in it. Whatever is your particular valley of the shadow of death, God says, I'll be with you. And the rest of of these verses simply show the images of what God does in that close proximity to us. It talks about the rod and the staff that comforts us. You may ask the question, well, how does it do that? How does a rod and a staff possibly comfort me? It may sound strange because we often view that as instruments of discipline. You know, spare the rod, spoil the child, that kind of thing. Well, there's two primary shepherd's tools, right? And it's a rod and a staff. The staff is that long pole with a hook that you see shepherds have, okay? It was to guide sheep around, and then if they were in trouble, you could, you could hook them and pull them where they needed to get to, okay? So you could, you could rescue them with the shepherd's hook. The rod was a short club. Imagine a small baseball bat. It was to protect the sheep from predators, from wolves. So the rod and the staff... We're used to rescue and to protect. And this is what God is promising us. We haven't always thought about God like that, that God is there to rescue us. At times, I think our view is if if I fall, then God is gonna beat us, beat me with the rod and the staff because I've blown it, right? That must be how God views me, but that's not the good shepherd. The image here is that God stands over the fallen sheep, which is us, and instead of beating us for our mistake, he turns with his rod and protects the sheep from further attack. That's the good shepherd, protecting the wounded lamb by placing himself between us and the snarling wolf. And then, taking the staff, the shepherd guides us once again to safety. That's a beautiful image that God offers to us. You know, I've only been around real trauma a handful of times, you know, injury, accidents, that kind of thing. But I also know some of you are first responders and you see this often, um, you know, whether it's a car accident, maybe a person trapped in a vehicle. and and as I've had conversations with first responders, they they tell me similar stories. What seems to make the most difference in that moment is really not their great knowledge of how to fix the injury that that person has, and it's not even the modern equipment that they use to extricate the person from the vehicle. They express most that, that what the person needs to hear in that moment, in that fearful moment, is them saying to the victim, I'm here, and I'm not leaving. In the midst of their fear, they just simply say to them, I'm here with you, and I'm not leaving. Now, in that moment, their condition wasn't fixed. Their injuries were not healed. But in that moment, what mattered was that someone who cared came near. And maybe, maybe that's what always matters most. In our world, we are surrounded by trauma. We are faced every day with crisis and uncertainty and turmoil. And what does God say to us? I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I haven't left you. Amidst the the Ukraine war or or mass shootings or inflation or pandemics or, or losing that job or getting that bill or receiving that diagnosis, God still says, I'm here with you and it goes on saying that even among our enemies those who would want nothing more than to see us fail God says I've got a great idea <laughs> let's have dinner <laughs> even amongst our enemies God says I have got a terrific idea what to do with all the enemies around let's have dinner Little candlelight, little baguettes, maybe those tiny little pickles. Let's have dinner together. And we're going, really, God, don't, don't you see all the enemies around me? All the problems, all the stuff around. And God's like, yep, totally there. Totally see it. Well, God, shouldn't we deal with those things? Oh, you bet. You bet. We should totally deal with those things. Okay, God, how should we do that? Oh, we should eat. <laughs> we should feast. Together, we should gather around the table and be with one another amidst the chaos. God says we should set up a table in the middle of all of this crisis, a place that that God can come and anoint us once again, filling our cup till it overflows. Friends, we will constantly face the problems of this world, but God wants us to face them with his anointing and his provision. God says, you don't have to face it without me. Come to the table. It's that simple. When we come to the table, why? Because God longs to be with you. God goes beside you. That's the second thing we really need to know, and the last thing we really need to know is this. God goes behind you. Let's finish out the passage. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love this promise that because God goes behind me, I can look back at my life, and I can watch how God brought good out of evil, how how God brought mercy out of shame. And because God did that, those things become the breadcrumbs that go behind my life. They become the residue of my life. Every every life has kind of a residue to it, what, what, what is left behind it. And this tells us that when we meet God at the table, that even my past can have a new legacy. Uh, we were up a couple weeks ago visiting Paula's mom and her husband, Ron. Ron's a contractor, and uh, he was telling the story of when they were building. He was working in one of their houses. He's always building on stuff, and he's was, he was using a nail gun, and he ended up putting a 16-penny nail right through his finger, right through the knuckle, just bam, right through the knuckle, just across there. And, and, and Ron's cool, so he, you know, he takes out the nail, wraps it up with gauze and duct tape and, and keeps on working. That's what you do when you're a, a contractor. But what he didn't notice is, you know, it still bleeding a lot and, and it was problematic. And, and so whenever he would, whenever he would shoot the nail gun, he's still working, there would be this air that really kind of kicks back when it shoots. What he didn't notice is that, that because he was bleeding, every time it would kick back, it would spray blood on the walls and he just worked the rest of the day. So there's blood just all, he didn't even notice it, but there's just blood everywhere on the walls after working the rest of the day. He, he didn't, didn't notice any of that. Um, the next day comes and the inspector comes to see the room. Like, you know, say here's the next, next step of inspection. Ron wasn't even there. And so Paula's mom has to lead the inspector. Oh, here's the room he's working. Let me you know show you into the door. And they go into this room. It looks like somebody got killed. It's just like blood splattered everywhere. And the inspector's like, you got anything to tell me? Because this doesn't look good. Is there a body under here? <laughs> The walls told a story, and it seemed that story might be criminal. (laughs) The residue spoke very loudly. There is a residue. There is an aftermath in every life. And the wake of each of our lives, it can either be good or bad. And we get to ask ourselves some very honest questions about what that residue is going to be. What's my legacy, as Pastor Brandon spoke about last week. God wants the wake of our life to be filled with goodness and mercy, that those would be the things that follow us. But it's possible that we look back and we see anything but goodness and mercy. Maybe all we see is anger and unforgiveness or hurt or fear or emptiness or broken relationships or or selfishness. And maybe your life looks less like the yellow brick road and more like the trail of tears when you look back. But guess what? God can change that too. Goodness and mercy can follow you. That's what this tells us. God can take the wounds of your past and transform them into the forgiveness of the present and the healing of your future. God actually can turn all of that mourning and turn it into dancing. He can take that which was intended for evil and still make it good. To where you can one day look in the rearview mirror of your life and what was once only devastation a bloody trail of bodies behind you now all of that can be transformed into a trophy of God's redemption that all you see when you look back is God's goodness and mercy following you because God goes behind you God goes behind me, God goes behind us. I was once talking to a man who fixed furniture for a living and he told me that the way I know I've done a good job is that no one can tell I did the job at all. Did you know that God wants to do that with your life? Even the wreckage of your life that God wants to do that? He wants to fix us in such a way that it looks like it never even happened. Why can that happen? It's because God goes behind you. I'll wrap up with this. I have a dear friend. His name is Chris Hansler. He has spoken here at the church a couple of times, so you might know him. As many of you know, his wife, his wife Lisa died a few months ago. And when I ask him now, when I talk to him, and I ask him how he's doing, his response is always some variation Of this. He says, Aaron, it's incredibly hard, but because of Jesus, I'm well. It's incredibly hard, but because of Jesus, I'm well. Again, I think of the words of Horatio Spafford though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ. regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul friend the Lord wants to be your Shepherd you don't have to want come to the table wherever you are come to the table of Jesus run to the Good Shepherd. Let Jesus lead you to green pastures and still waters. Let God set a table for you amidst your enemies and let God have you experience a legacy of goodness and mercy. Come to the table, come home. Because amidst the struggles of this world, God wants to go before us god wants to go beside us god wants to go behind us and friends that is what we really need to know so as we conclude i want to invite you to join me in praying this psalm together as an expression of your heart to god let's pray lord you are my shepherd in you I lack nothing. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. You refresh my soul. You guide me along the right paths for Your name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at covechurchpnw. We'll see you next time.